What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of OT Takes, Overtime Takes, whatever you want to call it. As promised, we are back with a second podcast. What's up, ZG? How's it going, man? Everything plugged in? We good? Everything's plugged in. I, I double-checked. I double-checked. Like, I double-checked everything. I made sure, like, the mic was set up properly. Like, everything. Everything should be good. Great. Okay. Because, you know, I went back and listened to the last podcast and for the circumstances you did a great job editing dude it took like two hours it took forever but hey like that's what i get for not plugging in my laptop so that's what that's what you get paid for and as they say that's right (laughs) (laughs) so okay i just i want to dive right into this this is kind of the week that we wait for all season we've got our matchup ohio state alabama so give me your I guess, initial impressions of what do you think is going going to decide this football game? Um, well, I mean, you know, I mean, right after, you know, the, the final was determined, my first thought was, was, oh, crap, you know, we got to play Alabama. And <laughs> I say, I say we, uh, yeah, I say we as a fan, because, I mean, I think everybody yeah. who listens knows I'm a Ohio State fan, but, you know, objectively even it was kind of like you know we beat Clemson we got that monkey off our back I'm not sure we are quite equipped this year you know with all the variables going on that they that they're in a position to you know beat Bama and as the week came as the week gone on and and, you know we we start talking about it and we start hashing points out and and thinking of things that could decide the game I started to think you know this is going to be a good football game one way or the other and I had one of my buddies that I was talking to who's also an Ohio State fan who I feel like is pretty rational as well. I was like, you know, objectively. There aren't very I think, many of those. Yeah, there isn't. But <laughs> <laughs> I was like, objectively, you know, that eight that they're giving Alabama is, is a lot. I mean, I think objectively I would definitely take Ohio State plus eight there. Um, but, you know, it, it, it just comes down to, to, you know, who plays better. I know that there's some COVID issues and stuff with, with Ohio State, and I'm sure we'll get into that later. But um, all in all, I mean, the key to the game is, you know, stars have to be stars, and guys that, you know, are on that second tier, you know, football players. They have to step up. Not, not every football player is uh, is Justin Fields or Devontae Smith. You know, you need other guys to step up is what I'm getting yeah. at. So, uh, obviously, totally agree. you need your stars to be stars, and you need those guys that are – you know, second fiddle, uh, for lack of a better term, to step up and, you know, play their best game. Yeah, I totally agree. So, I'm with you. I I guess, here, I'll, I'll say that later. I'll, I'll save that for later. I think a lot of what's going to determine this, though, and I hate to say it, I think is going to be determined on when we play the game. Just because, look, I think you would agree, if Alabama's playing Ohio State and, Al- and Ohio State's defensive line isn't there, Ohio State doesn't have much of a chance to beat them. And so I think that's going to have a lot to do with it if they decide to push it back or not. The more I think about it, the more in favor I am of them pushing it back. Because I just I just want to see a good game, you know, and I think that it's really going to come down to that. Because, like I said, I think you'd agree, you know, if Ohio State's starting defensive line isn't there, I don't know how you don't pick Alabama. Yeah. Yeah, I mean – I've heard reports, you know, I said last episode, you know, I get little updates and stuff like that. And it, from what I'm seeing from, from, you know, national pundits, guys that are, you know, close to the program at Ohio state, the game's getting played one way or the other um, on Monday. And, you know, there's serious concerns that, you know, guys like Tommy Togiai and Tyler Friday and Zach Harrison um, guys that, you know, the average college football fan probably doesn't know, but, you know, those are those are five star guys in their. You know, Zach Harrison, for example, was the number one defensive end two years ago. Like losing him for a national title game is not, you know, swept under the rug. And combine that yeah. with Tommy Togiai, a guy who probably made himself some money this year along Haskell Garrett. You know, I mean, that's their that's their best group position group on defense. But like when it comes to you know. I think their linebackers are obviously really good, but when it comes to making that defense work, that defensive line is is the heart and soul of that defense. And you're missing guys. Yeah. And, and that, but with that being said, that's a position group that I think you know we have a great position coach there, Larry Johnson. You know he's developed guys like Chase Young and the Bosa brothers and guys like that. So, you know, part of me thinks that you know those second guys are going to be ready to go. 
but but obviously those losses are huge. Yeah. yeah, and I think that the defensive line is even more important this game than pretty much any other, mainly because I think we'd agree the weakness of Ohio State's defense is the secondary, and Alabama has really good guys on the outside. So being able to get pressure just so that those guys don't have to cover as long is going to be, I think, really important for Ohio State's success. And I know that you know, we say that about every team. You know, If you can get pressure with four, then you have a shot at winning. But I think that with Alabama, with those guys that they have on the outside, if you can't get pressure and as good as Mac Jones has played, it just it becomes a whole mountain to climb, you know. And so, yeah, the, I, I hope you're right. You know, I hope that Ohio State's defensive line is ready because that is, for me anyway, that is the most important part of Ohio State as a whole to win this game. Yeah, and you know, like what you said is 100% correct, but I look at it in terms of like, I mean, in the, in the Sugar Bowl, Trevor Lawrence almost threw for 400 yards and, you know, he played – a, a decent game. The The thing that the defensive line did that was so important that they need to do against Alabama is, is slow down Najee Harris the way they shut down ETA. He's a beast. If they make, yeah, if, they make if they make Alabama one-dimensional like they made Clemson, like they have a shot. And so, yes, I mean, I think it definitely is important for them to get a pass rush and to hit Mac Jones. But from my perspective, you know, my game plan would have been and it's probably why I'm not Kerry Coombs, the defensive coordinator for Ohio State. But you know, I would I would worry about <laughs> eliminating Najee Harris because I don't think you have the personnel or the talent in the secondary to stop you know Devonte Smith or uh, maybe a 50% Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle. You know, so yeah. I think if you can control Najee Harris, I think you give yourself a chance. Uh, especially, I mean, more passes, more chances for mistakes, more chances for somebody slip in there and you know cause a fumble or an interception. If if Alabama is able to just you know line it up and and gain chunk plays on the ground, I, I mean Ohio State has to score with them, but that's just going to be tough to overcome. Yeah, I I think you're right on that front as well. I'm going to change topics just a little bit because. This is something that I just want your opinion on. Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, who, who who do you think is the better back? Like, who do I think projects better or who is better right now? Both. I think Etienne projects better in the NFL. Um, I just think he does, you know, a lot of things. Um, he's like a multi, multi-talented multi back. He reminds me, you know, of the, the new wave of running back. Najee seems more, you know kind of old school traditional running back yes they use him out of the backfield and I'm sure they'll both be great pros I just think Travis Etienne would be more valuable to an offense in the NFL but I think right now in college Najee Harris is is quote-unquote better see this is good we're actually going to argue this episode because I completely disagree I like I like Travis Travis Etienne more now in college just because I think part of it is just Clemson scheme they do a really good job of getting him to the edge and, you know, he's really able to use his speed, and he's great out of the backfield. Whereas, I feel like Najee Harris, I think he's going to be better in the NFL because I think he's going to be a better runner between the tackles. Whereas, you know, maybe Etienne ends up being more of a third down back because he is great, you know, c- catching the ball out of the backfield and things like that. Yeah, I guess it's just how you, you know, how you value him because they probably aren't going to, you know, play the same way. You would see you would you will see Najee you know work in between the tackles on inside zones and inside runs and you'll see Etienne you know get out in space and get you know get the ball out in space a little more. It's just what you deem more valuable, I guess. And and you know this. I mean, you're dealing with this with Tua right now as a Dolphins fan. It's like it's all about fit and like what what works and what it scheme is. you're running. So I think based off just talent, it's super close. But I think Etienne, uh, given you know the right situation and and everything, I think he can be, you know, a Pro Bowl guy that that you know maybe runs for uh, just over a thousand yards, but also catches forty passes out of the backfield. You know what I mean? I just don't think Najee has yeah, the very. Same, I don't think Najee has the same versatility as as Etn does. That's fair. I I can agree with that. So you think Travis Etn is more of an Alvin Kamara kind of back, whereas Najee Harris would be more. I'm trying to think of a good conference. I don't want to say Derrick Henry, but He'd in be terms more of, of a bell running cow. between yes. the tackles, yes, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I That's think fair. I, I think ETN's more of like a, you know, an extension of the passing game more than, you know, let's hand it to him 25 times. Uh, as, that's what I yeah. think Najee would be, you know. 
that's that's fair. I can I can agree with that. So back to Ohio State and Alabama. So this is perfect because we're on running backs. I want to talk about Trey Sermon because I feel like Trey Sermon has broken over a hundred tackles in his last two games, and Alabama's traditionally the best tackling team in the country, and th- that's something that I'm really excited about. I want to see how Trey Sermon does against. You know this Alabama defense that traditionally tackles really, really well. Yeah, I mean, this is again. I know I've said the defensive line is a key to the game, but like when when I'm talking about this, you kind of see a theme, right? It's balance. Like if you get a team to yeah. just be one dimensional uh, in this type of game, like it's going to be hard to win doing just one thing uh, with all the talent and the coaching that's on the field. And on the sidelines, it's going to be hard to win doing one thing. So, I mean, Trey Sermon absolutely um, needs to play close to his best game again. Like, and I think he's not going to get three thirty-one like he get against Northwestern, but he needs to have a similar. If he can run for one twenty-five, one fifty. I think that that would really be enough to open yeah. it up for Justin Fields. He needs to have a similar output that he did against Clemson. And it's crazy, man. Like Trey Sermon is such a weird story this year. Like. I touched on it uh, last pod, but, like, the dude was not playing. Like, he was not the starter. And, like, even Ryan Day came out and was like, we don't know what's wrong with Trey. Uh, Trey's not really (laughs) running. He's not running hard. He's not hitting holes. And then all of a sudden it seemed like, you know, Master Teague got a little banged up and Trey Sermon started getting the workload, uh, the bulk of the workload. And then all of a sudden it's like, who is this guy? Like, you know, we've seen runs like this from Ohio state running backs before in big games, like Ezekiel Elliott, you know, tore up Alabama and Oregon in 2014. But it's like, you saw Zeke coming. Like you you don't, Oh yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you saw, you saw what Zeke could be. And then at, at the end of the season, you know, he turned into who we know, but like Trey Sermon, was just like a grad transfer that they needed because they didn't recruit very well at running back the previous year. And then all of a sudden now he's like, a, you know, he's he's a main focal point in offense that is, is one of the best in the country. It's actually wild. It really is. You know, he's made himself a lot of money over these last, you know, three or four games. You know, he's a guy who will definitely get drafted now. So he's, yeah, he's a, that's just a great story. Just bizarre. I feel like, you know, Every year, there's a guy like that somewhere in college football who just kind of comes up out of the blue. So, how what else are you kind of looking forward to? Like, I don't even know how to really uh, like describe how I don't he plays. either. Because he's bigger, but he's he's big, he's fast, he catches the ball out of the backfield well. He's very well rounded. I just I I don't know in terms of player comparison. I don't know who I'd compare him to. And I think that's just a result of you know. I mean, I don't know. Can he can he get any better than what he's showing right now? Like, are we just watching like I, I this might be a terrible comparison. You're better at these than me. But is this kind of like a Jeremy Lin thing where, you know, I mean, he's played four years of college football, hasn't had very much success, had to transfer uh, from Oklahoma. It's kind of a last second get for Ohio State. And then there's this little stretch of games, you know, three, four games where he lights the world on fire. And then we never hear Trey Sermon again. Is that possible? That is possible. That's actually a really good comparison. I think, though, that with the with the talent that he's shown, I do think that there's going to be an NFL team that, that will take a shot on him probably, I think, at the earliest in the fourth or fifth round. But just because, you know, we've only got, you know, a three or four-game sample size of him doing this. But he's shown the flashes. He's shown that he's more than talented enough to compete at the NFL level. The question is, I just I don't know who'd take him. You know, because I think that there's, you know, obviously, you know, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne are at the top of this year's running back class. And then you got the two guys from North Carolina. I don't know where Kadarius Toney's going to play in the NFL. I don't know if he's going to play receiver or running back. There's just a lot of, I think there's a, several good running backs coming out this year. But I think he's definitely a guy who's going to get a shot in the NFL. And we'll see. I think that's a good comp, though, the, the Jeremy Lin thing. Yeah, and I mean, as a fan, I hope I hope he can you know keep it going because it, it's it's actually not only is it unbelievably fun to watch uh, after not seeing a running game very much in the regular season, but seeing it come from out of nowhere from a guy who was pretty much written off midway through the season, it's pretty it's pretty amazing. It is. I totally agree. So, man, that's it's just a crazy story. Whereas Alabama, okay, l- let me ask you this. 
Jalen Waddle, how big of an impact do you think he's going to have? Because I think that I don't think he's going to put up big numbers, but just the threat of him being there is going to be really important just because I think it may help free up Devontae Smith. Or maybe Ohio State takes the strategy of we know Jalen Waddle's probably not 100%, so maybe they double Devontae Smith and that opens up Jalen Waddle. How do you think how do you think Ohio State's going to try to cover Jalen Waddle and how big of an impact do you think he's going to have? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, I think your your public enemy number one, the guy you have to you know account for on every play is Devonte Smith. So I guess I, I guess I agree. I guess I'm thinking in terms of you know, we 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 have to contain Devonte Smith as best as we can. We know we're not going to stop him. We got to give him multiple looks. You know, get in his face sometimes. You know, confuse him. And as far as Jalen Waddle on the other side, it's like. Man, you just gotta pick. You, you gotta pick your evil, I guess. What are you gonna Are you gonna commit to? You know, thinking about shutting down Jalen Waddle, even though he might not be a hundred percent, and giving Devonte Smith room to free up and stuff like that, or are you gonna, you know, really commit to Devonte Smith and not not really worry about Jalen Waddle in terms of you know a big play threat or a guy that can have a big game? And that's that's why they get paid the big bucks because stuff like this happens all the time. And I can't really remember a situation where a guy comes back from injury like that and is 100% super effective. So I think Ohio State will take the yeah. the route of, you know, we, we, we're cautious. We know he's out there. We're going to give different looks. But our main priority is, you know, limiting Devontae Smith and his big plays. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, that's the route I would take. So, you know, if you want to tell the people you know at Ohio State that, that that's what I would do, then just go right ahead. but I just I'm really interested with this Jalen Waddle thing I think Alabama's just being so quiet about it as they should be but from the little bit that we've gotten they're saying he looks good but that's what you're supposed to say so I think it's a total wild card for him I'm interested to see Justin Fields too have you heard anything you know on his I'm assuming cracked ribs um they're actually saying it's a hit it was a hit pointer I guess, but like he's oh, okay. gonna play, and he, like if if he can do what he did in the second half against Clemson, the day of the injury, I'm assuming he feels you know at least as good as that for Monday. So, you know, yeah, I I agree. The Jalen Waddle just... thing is interesting though because it's like, he, I mean, here's here's the matter of fact: if Jalen Waddle comes out and is Jalen Waddle that we know, I mean, you had a hard time stopping them you were going to have a hard time stopping them before he came back. And like, if he's back and making plays, like, you know, you kind of, at some point during the game, you're just going to have to tip your cap and be like, well, I mean, they're pretty good. They are. They're ridiculous. They won every award last night. It felt like, you know, Devonte Smith walks away with like four of them. It was just, look, that Alabama team, you know, I, I tweeted it out. I think this is, you could definitely make an argument that this is the best Alabama team that we've ever seen. Especially from a talent standpoint, just because, look, like, you know that they're talented on defense. Um, oh, I'm blanking on their corner's name. Oh, man. Patrick Sertain. Oh, that's frustrating. Yes, thank you. He's really good. You know, he can make a case that, you know, he's a top five corner in all of college football. Obviously, the talent on the offensive side is ridiculous this year. I think from a talent standpoint, this is probably the best Alabama team we've ever seen. And I think that, you know, if they're able to beat Ohio State on Monday, then you know, it'll be a real debate of who's the greatest Alabama team ever. Like, is this the best team that we've ever seen from Alabama? Yeah, and I think, you know, the the way the game goes on Monday definitely determines that. But, you know, when you look at it from a talent standpoint, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say Ohio State doesn't match up in that department because they, they certainly do. Um, and then if they win a national title, is this one of the best Ohio State teams of all time? Can we have that discussion? Do you think that they're better than the team from last year? I know last year's team didn't win at all, but I I thought last year's team was more talented. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I think obviously, if if you mean just on paper, if you look at the roster, you would say, yeah, this team's more talented. But I mean, when you when you really dive into it, you get a second year of a of a developed Justin Fields under Ryan Day. You know, you have two receivers that are absolute electricity. Um, you have an offensive line that is, you know, I would say the the Alabama and Ohio State offensive line are pretty equal. 
And, you know, I mean, if you go down the list, obviously, obviously there's some defensive deficiencies in the secondary, but like Alabama has some problems on defense as well. So it's like they do. Yeah, Patrick Sertain is the best cornerback in college football right now, but like there's other ways to attack that defense and teams have, you know, shown that on film. So, I mean, I think you can make a case for if for whoever wins this game, it's it's their it's one of their better teams of all time. Just because, you know, the situation, the talent, you know, the quarterback for Ohio State, you know, all that stuff put into play, you could definitely make a case for it. I would say though that yeah, Ohio State I, I totally only agree. playing eight games would would tr- kind of you know make that discussion a little not more help murkier, them, but yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I totally agree. This is just I'm excited. I think this is going to be a good game. I don't want to get into scores quite yet because I'm assuming we're not close to being done. <laughs> no. I have a couple questions for you. Okay. So you know. Regardless of, you know, the outcome of the game. Well, I guess I won't say regardless, but when we get the outcome on Monday night and, you know, Ohio State wins or Alabama wins, we'll start with Alabama. Alabama wins. How does this shape, you know, the future for Alabama? Like what what does this win do for them? Does it does it just keep them at the, at the top level or does this make them, you know, are we about to see another run? I think. This is really hard just because of the way that college football has changed. I think Alabama remains at the top of the SEC, win or lose. And I think, you know, I mean, they'll consistently be in the playoff. You know, I mean, they'll consistently kind of be at that level. But as far as, far as another run, with the way that, you know, Ohio State is recruiting and how good Clemson is every year, I don't know if I would say you know they're going to go on another run where they win four natties in five years. I don't I don't think that's in the cards for them, win or lose. Yeah, well, the reason I say that is because you know losing all that talent that you're going to lose and trying to fill those pieces. I understand you recruited a high level, but do you think that next year, regardless of the outcome, we could see maybe a little drop off? and, you know, the overall talent and team ability. Yeah, I, I definitely think that we could see that. I, I don't know what they have defensively behind, you know, the, what they have there now, but I know offensively I'm sure we will, even though their backup quarterback is phenomenal. I can't remember his name, but he was Young, you know, a highly titled right? recruit. I think that sounds right. Let's let's just go with that, yeah. Bryce Young, I believe he was the number one quarterback coming out of high school last year. If not, he was definitely he was. a top three guy. And so I think a lot of it is going to depend on his development. I think a lot of it is going to depend on who they hire as their new offensive coordinator with Steve Sarkeesian leaving. And, you know, last I heard, Bill O'Brien or Adam Gase. So I think there's just a lot of variables that are going to affect how we look at Alabama football these next few years. Yeah, no, that's kind of where I was leaning to. You know, this is more of a – I feel like it's more of a rhetorical question. Uh, it's more interesting when you start talking about Ohio State or even if you wanted to get into this conversation with a Clemson. I just think Alabama's built up so much equity. You know, one national title game yeah. when they lose doesn't really affect their program. And I think I asked the question to, to get to this. You know, they aren't affected as much with, with all the winning they've done lately and the tradition they have. They aren't affected as much lately as as a team like Ohio State or Clemson would be you know, losing in the playoffs or not I agree. making the playoffs. And it's interesting to look at because, you know, that's what those teams strive to be. That's what Ohio State wants to be. That's what Clemson was, you know, knocking on the door to be. But it seems like Alabama has built up this great, you know, tradition and, and excellence that, you know, one loss and a national title to Ohio State doesn't set the program back. I think Clemson. I totally I think agree. Clemson's program took a step back, losing to Ohio State that badly in the Sugar Bowl. I think Ohio State, you know, the high of coming off that Clemson game, if they lose to Alabama by a lot, it's kind of like you know, well, we're back to square one. Like all these teams below yeah. Alabama are climbing to get to that point, and you know, the only way that's going to work is if you beat them multiple times. One game, one game doesn't affect Alabama. One game affects Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, and all those teams below. I- I think that that's that's a really fair take. I want to ask you this: How long has Ryan Day been the head coach at, at Ohio State? This is his this second is third year. year. He he filled oh, in for Urban Meyer. Year. He he coached the first four games uh, in Urban's last year, and then took over last year, and then this is his second full year. 
Okay, so let's say that Vegas is right. Alabama wins the title this year. Okay, Ohio State comes back next year. Who's who's gonna play? Who's gonna play quarterback for Ohio State next year? Uh, well, they have they have two five star freshmen right now. Uh, Kyle, they have uh, they have C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller, um, who didn't very didn't see the field very much this year just because there was no like blowout non conference games and they only played six regular season games so they didn't see the field much and then they have a five star quarterback coming in this coming year uh, Kyle McCord and a lot of people are high on him they think that he could come in and start but I think it's going to between be between McCord and Stroud and I they're not going to be Justin Fields but I mean okay. But, but either way, they're going to be really talented guys. Like they're That's what I'm they're going to be they're competent not be Justin at Fields, quarterback. But who is like Justin Fields is a yeah. generational guy that you don't get every day. Like so, yeah, they're going to be totally agree. Yeah, they're going to be fine at quarterback, I believe. But I do, I think that you know, I think they'll be they'll be better in other areas. If that makes sense. Oh, yeah. So let's say Ohio State makes another run. They're in the playoff. And they lose in the national championship again. Do you think? Do you think Ryan Day could possibly be in danger of adapting a narrative that he can't win the big one? I mean, yeah. I mean, it, he can, yeah. I mean, Ohio State expects to win championships, and he he has said multiple times his goal is to win national titles. And you know, at a certain point, and this sounds so arrogant and elitist. Uh, coming from me, uh, but like at a certain point, <laughs> like you know, national championship or bust is a real thing. Um, and he's putting those, yeah, he's putting is. those on himself. He's putting those expectations on himself. The way you know he's going out and recruiting, the way he talks about his teams, the way he he goes about his business. His goal, and it's awesome because not a lot of college coaches or, or college football fans in general can say they have a coach that is all in like that. And you know, if he keeps. If he loses national title games, the question has to be asked: Like, what's going on? Like, you're getting there, but why can't yeah. you win them? Totally agree. So, well, I, I personally don't think he'll have that problem. I think they'll. I think if they, I think I they'll either. win a national championship within the next three years. I don't. I don't. I think that's a, a pretty easy take to have, especially with all the talent they have coming in. I would agree, but I'm just in this real mood for hypotheticals right now, so I'm gonna kind of push your buttons a little bit and kind of push this narrative on you. Okay. So let's say that let's say that we're we're both wrong. Ohio State goes on these great runs. Ryan Day just can't quite get over the hump. Does Ohio State then become in danger of being like Texas where they have a good head coach but they fire him? And it possibly becomes this cycle of hiring good head coaches going 9 and 1 Ten and zero, making the playoff, not winning at all, and then like, is that like a possible cycle that we could see for Ohio State? You know, it's hard to, it's hard to see that, man. Like, I, I know you're not really like, you don't. I'm not watch in the loop it. on Ohio State like you are. Yeah, and like f- from my perspective and the way that I view Ohio State, it's like, you know, in 2014 when they won that national title, like they were they were primed and set up to go on an Alabama type run like they had the guys the guys that won the national championship you know Zeke and Bosa and Michael Thomas and all those guys they were sophomores they had another year and you know you you think and you think about all that talent and think man we're we're going to be set up nice for a long time and then it just never quite happened and we kind of hit that lull where it was Alabama Clemson and then everyone else and slowly but surely this Ohio State team is you know surprisingly and crazy enough have up their facilities up their recruiting up everything so it's hard for me to envision a scenario where ryan day can't get it done and i know that's that's probably the fan coming out of me but i just look at the landscape of college football and after seeing them tear tear up clemson like that it's just hard for me to see this not going even further if that makes sense yeah i i totally agree with you i guess the the real root of my question and just the way that I think would dictate whether or not you know this whole idea of them possibly becoming like Texas could happen is what are the boosters at Ohio State like and how impatient are the fans? Because I really think that that's why Texas runs through coaches the way they do. Fans get impatient and boosters get impatient. And I feel like a lot of it would rest on the shoulders of, of those people. You know, to be honest with you, it I in my lifetime, 
the only reason a coach is leaving is because you know someone someone on his team sold tattoos for or or sold their memorabilia for tattoos or health reasons. Like <laughs> I've never really seen a coach yeah. get fired for lack of performance. Ohio State's never, you know, not a a 10, 11 win team every year. So I think I think we we have this like kind of inferiority complex going on as a fan base. You know, we want to be Alabama. And it's it, Jonathan, just know how hard it is for me to say this right now. I've never I've never broken it down like this before because, you know, all I talk to is Ohio State fans and they'll call me stupid. But we do have an inferiority <laughs> complex. We do. And I think that's I think that comes out when we win big games and I wanna, you know, tell everybody, look, I told you so and, and all this stuff like that. I think that comes out. And so when it comes to I think we're a little more grateful than a Texas is. And I think we, we understand like how special and precious it is to win a national title and how hard it is. And I think as far as the boosters go, I think they do a good job of, you know, letting the football team and whoever's running the team kind of take control. I don't really ever hear anything about, you know, a booster doesn't like this guy or this guy. It's kind of like the head coach has full control. They're the CEO of the football program and that's it. And that's, that's, what you want that's what you see at Alabama that's what you see at Clemson that is what you want yeah I, I totally agree so that was fun though it's it's good I think there's been a lot of growth here today <laughs> yeah it's just it's so, I'm, I'm getting older and I'm starting to you know really like to talk about college football in, a, in terms of you know I don't want to say as a journalist because I'm not a journalist but you know objectively and, and give thoughtful opinions about something that I care about so it's it's kind of cool to get on here, you know, and, and talk about these things honestly as as not a, a crazy Bucknut fan. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's the one thing, look, if you want to become objective, because look, let's, let's be honest. There's like a slight part of you when you get on here that's like, okay, I just don't want to say something outrageously stupid. Because <laughs> it's out there for everybody to hear. And so it makes you think deeper on your thoughts and opinions about college football or really anything that we talk about. Yeah, that's so true because, you know, if you asked me that same question a year ago or two years ago, I'd probably be like, yeah, Ohio State's going to win every national title from here on out. But I I just, (laughs) that's just me being dumb. And like, I know that now. Like, I never actually thought that. It was just, like I said, Ohio State fans are kind of, you know, wanting to be more. And I know... I said this already, but that's kind of arrogant to ask for more when you're already one of the best programs, not only now, but historically, like, but yeah, at the same time, I think we do understand how hard it is and how valuable those moments of, you know, at least getting to a championship are. I could see a scenario where we're in Ryan Day's fifth year and he's lost, he's lost two playoff games and two national titles and we're sitting back going, what the heck's going on? But I don't think he would ever be on the hot seat or be like pushed by any booster or anything to get him out of there because, you know, there's, there's nothing worse than, than doing what Texas did or what, you know, these other programs are doing. Texas Uh, is doing. Yeah. Just making a move just to make a move. (laughs) Yeah. I, I totally agree. So that was fun. That was, I enjoyed doing that. Yeah. I also so, have another thing for you real quick, if you don't mind. Okay. Of course. So can we can we get into can we get into the the Clemson side of this? Because I think I'm sensing trouble down there. Yeah. Um So I don't th- know if I don't know if I'd say I'm sensing trouble. I mean look, their backup quarterback we already know is gonna be really, really good. And I feel like offensively they do a really good job of recruiting guys at, at the skill positions. And look, when they they've got several true freshmen that played a lot in that playoff game, you know those guys are going to be a year older. Maybe from a recruiting standpoint, this hurts. But I think in terms of how they're going to look these next two or three years, I think they'll still be the Clemson that that we know. Yeah, but I just I just worry that I worry that they just got their spot taken, and I like maybe I think that I if Ohio State wins on Monday, I think a hundred percent you have to put Ohio state over Clemson in the hierarchy of college football. And you know, there's that's fair. Yeah. You know, you have a, a once in a generation best college football player ever type of player in Trevor Lawrence. And you know, you win as a true freshman and then you never, I mean, and quite honestly, the next two years in your biggest games, you get blown out. And like that, 
that's what Ohio State did. That's why Ohio State fell uh, fell off track a little bit because it's like when you play in these big games, you're getting crushed. It's hard to recover from stuff yeah. like that. I mean, Notre Dame hasn't fallen off yet, and they've been getting crushed for eight years. Well, they're not really <laughs> they're not really on. That's <laughs> they're they're not really yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, I I see what you mean though. I think that's that. Yeah, I mean that could really that that could happen. I just think that. I want to see. I want to see how they look next year first, just because, like, we do know how good their backup quarterback is going to be. I mean, we know that they they were young on the defensive side of the ball, especially on the on their defensive line, which is where Clemson usually is really strong. I don't think they were strong there this year, so I just I want to see the first three or four games from Clemson before I guess I, I jump to that conclusion. Yeah, and- in terms of if they're. Not the same, and that's another thing too. Like, I'm just I'm just throwing out the idea that it might be a possibility. This isn't going to be, you know, an instantaneous thing that we see. This is gradual. <laughs> this happens over time. Um, so you know, they might be pretty good, but you know, if they keep getting beat in these big games, it it affects programs. Yeah. I've seen it firsthand. So you know, they got to yeah. right the ship quickly. Um, I'm not saying they're going to fall off to like Florida state levels or anything like that. I'm just saying, you know, in terms of, in terms of, you know, the hierarchy of college football, which we like to discuss, like who's at the top. I think, I think they're in danger of, of like maybe taking a step back. It's like the third spot behind Ohio state and Alabama. Yeah. Which is significant. Yeah. I, I would agree. That's interesting. So while we're on this, looking at the future thing, In about five years, maybe six, Nick Saban's probably going to retire. And that, for me, that is like a date I have circled because I just, college football thinks it's going to be wide open just because, like, it's going to be hard for Ohio State or Clemson to overthrow Alabama as the top, top program in college football as long as Nick Saban is there. And so when he finally leaves, I am just... I'm excited to see what happens. I think that's going to be a really interesting next two or three years following that big-time event that's going to happen in college football at some point. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what the situation's like at Alabama, but and I know, again, this is going to sound biased, but it's just what I know really well. Like, You can have a transition uh, from a historically all-time coach to a, to another coach and not lose anything like you've seen that with Ohio State I totally agree so here's here's the difference Ryan Day was groomed to kind of be the next guy after Urban Meyer and Steve Sarkeesian he was being groomed to be the next guy after Nick Saban but Steve Sarkeesian obviously no he's gone he's he's going to Texas so now they're gonna have to find another guy and I just think it's hard to find guys like that you know I think that Alabama fans have this secret hope that Dabble Sweeney will come because Dabble Sweeney played receiver at Alabama but Let's be honest, Dabo Sweeney's not leaving Clemson for anybody. So, I just, depending on what Alabama does, and look, like, Nick Saban doesn't keep assistant coaches. Like, he just doesn't. Like, you know, the defensive coordinators show up for two or three years and then they leave. You know, offensive coordinators stay a little bit longer because they have more control, but the, he doesn't keep coordinators like, like you know, Clemson does and Ohio State does. Yeah, and I, I think that's interesting. I was at, It's funny, I was listening to Joel Klatt. Uh, I think he might have been on Coward Show or something like that, and uh, he was like, "I think they're, I think they already have the next Alabama coach. I think it's Sarkeesian. I think they've been, they already have an agreement in place that he'll be the next head coach." And I think, like, literally, like two hours after they announced that Sarkeesian was going to Texas, and I was like, "Oh, that's a bad look for the Clatster." <laughs> it is, but I don't, I don't blame Sarkeesian for leaving for Texas. Like I think if you're Sarkeesian and that, because I, I think the same thing. I think there was a deal in place for him to take over after Saban. I mean, there's like two or three programs that I leave for, and Texas is, you know, as much as I don't like Texas and as bad as I think their program is, there's just too much potential there to pass that offer up. I don't, I, I man, if you'd asked me this three years ago, you know, I probably would agree, but like. When are we gonna? When are we gonna see it for what it is and what we've what we've been seeing? Like, it's just a mess. Yeah, there's too true. many too many voices involved. Too many people yeah. thinking they know what's what's right for the program. You know, you need 
I don't know if Sarkeesian is the guy that comes in and, you know, puts his foot down and says, you're the bus stops with me. Like everything is going through me. I'm not listening to you. I don't think he, I don't think he has that juice. Yeah. There's, there's not very many guys who do, you know, urban Meyer has that juice. Nick Saban has that juice. That might be it. You know, like you you can make an argument that Dabo Sweeney does, you know, Ryan day may have that may have that juice here in, you know, two or three years if, when he wins a national title, but I mean, there's it's a short list of guys who have that kind of juice. So I, you know, I think point. you're right. And, right, like you know, they have to change something. Yeah, that's my point. I mean, it is. It's a. I don't want to say it's a long road back because let's be honest. If you're in the Big Twelve, you just got to get past Oklahoma, who's a really, really good program. So I wouldn't say it's a long road back, but they're gonna have to, like you said, they're gonna have to change something with their boosters or. They're gonna have to do you know the athletic director maybe he steps in and does something I I don't know. It's like they're more they're more worried about their brand than you know winning games and I don't think they've put two and two together that's like if we're in the playoff every year and we're in the national title competition our brand will be better than ever and I just don't know if it they, will be I don't know if they know that yet I don't know why they don't know that they should but that's kind of the vibe I get just from the outside sense. looking in. That's just common sense. Like, yeah. Oh, man. People. <laughs> Texas, actually. Let's make it more specific. Really, Texas. You know, and the funny thing is, you know, Texas is fighting amongst themselves. And, you know, A&M, I think, you know, just looking at their previous recruiting classes, they're – I'm not going to say they're getting a position to take off, but they're going to be the the big program within the state of Texas, I, I think, here here pretty soon. Yeah. No, I think, I think they have a, a – now more than ever, uh, the power shift in Texas has a potential to change. Um, it's going to be tough for Texas A&M to still do that, but because you know, in Texas nowadays, especially, you're not just competing with the Texas schools; you're competing with, you know, teams from Alabama and South Carolina and Ohio and Georgia, and you know, national Oklahoma. recruiting. Is, Oklahoma yeah. goes in there. Not to mention All Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you're not like, just you're not just dealing with you know local or close proximity schools you're dealing with you know schools all around the country coming out and poaching your players and that's happening at an alarming rate so you know that's the first yeah I, that's I totally the first agree. step did you know that cincinnati is set up to play indiana and notre dame this next year yeah i cannot wait man i it's gonna be good i'm i'm excited it's those are gonna be really good games i mean there's really no other way to put it Big game for me. Arkansas is playing Texas. I'm excited for that. Who's who's Ohio State's big offseason Oregon. matchup? They play Oregon. Okay, that's that'll be a good one. That'll be a good one. Yeah, but Ella, is Georgia playing Clemson this next year? I believe that's right. That would be pretty cool. I, I think I think they're playing Clemson. Alabama's playing somebody at a at like a. Um, Golly, I'm blanking on the word. It's it's not a home game, but but they're not going to the other team either. Neutral side. They're playing yes. in Atlanta. There, there it is. Thank you. <laughs> it's it's been a long day, man. It's yeah. it's been a long day. Yeah, Let's just so, be happy that I, I remember to plug my computer in. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so that'll those will be fun, and and I'm sure we'll get to that. You know, in the off season or in the you off know, season. whenever we closer to to the off season and stuff like that. But I have a question for you, and I need you to think about this one. All right. I need you to give me your best okay. answer possible. What matchups? Okay. What matchups besides you know offense, uh, Alabama's offense, wide receivers, and Ohio State's secondary? Do you think is going to be the biggest factor in the game? Okay. So Man. eliminating the obvious is what I'm saying. Okay. So no. So no. Um, so no Alabama's receivers against Ohio State's secondary. No Alabama's offensive line against Ohio State's defensive line. I really want to see. I want to see how Alabama's linebackers fare against Ohio State's offense because I think that you're right when you say that it's important to make teams one-dimensional. And you know Trey Trey Sermon's played really well. Ohio State has a good offensive line. Alabama's defensive line is good but not the Alabama defensive lines of years past so I think that Alabama's linebackers are going to have to play really well to help stop Ohio State's run game 
they're going to have to tackle. Yeah, and you know, Ohio State, excuse me, Alabama has this tradition. They are known for tackling really well. And look, like we're going to find out really quickly how that's how that's going to look the whole game. You know, I mean, Trey Sermon. I mean, look, if, if Trey Sermon ran for 175 yards and two touchdowns, I wouldn't be surprised. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Sermon ran for you know 67 yards and in, in a touchdown. Like you know what I mean? And so I think it's a real coin flip for how that match for how that game within the game is going to look. Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking that too. I think that's one of those things that you know national people and people that talk about this kind of stuff are kind of brushing under the rug. I've heard so much about you know the Ohio State secondary versus Alabama's receivers and you know the D line and everything, but like that stuff that like when you go into a game is is pretty much you know we know this. Like we've talked about this all week, we know that. But it's like I said at the beginning, it's those little. It's those little matchups and those little plays that involve, you know, maybe your your linebacker who doesn't have like this awards and all this stuff, or or maybe it comes down to your tight end that you haven't used very much. Like it's just stuff like that 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 makes yeah. the difference in these type of games when these two teams are so talented. So yeah, I think the linebacker play of Alabama is super important. Just not only, I mean, I don't know how much they affect the passing game, but like you said, stuffing the run and making sure Trey Sermon doesn't get out in, into that second level with a chance to, you know, beat one guy and be out of there. I mean, that's that's huge because, like I said, and like you've said, the making a team one-dimensional is the key to winning this game. And I think Alabama has a better shot of making Ohio State one-dimensional than vice versa. I would agree. I, I think I agree with that. But so, do, do we want to get to picks, scores? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go first. Are you done with me? Are I mean, I'm I'm it? not done with you. I just <laughs> I'm not done with you. <laughs> yeah, you're my guy, man. You know that. Um, I just think I think this game is going to come down to you know Justin Fields uh, first and foremost. You know, if he can control the offense, command the offense, I think they can score with them. But I just think Alabama just has a little too much, especially with the COVID issues on Ohio State's defensive line. I have Alabama winning 45-38. That's really close to what I have. That is really close to what I have. So I totally agree. I think the play of Justin Fields is going to be really big, and I think that part of the reason why he looks so good against Clemson is because of how well Trey Sermon ran the ball. That is really what I'm looking at. I want to see how Ohio State runs the ball. Because, if look, if Ohio State can line up whenever they want and pick up four or five yards, it, they, like, Trey Sermon doesn't even have to be ripping off, you know, 20-yard runs. If he can just consistently pick up four or five, then Justin Fields is going to be able to be Justin Fields, right? And so that is the big thing that I'm looking at. I like Alabama, and I'm going to give you a score, and you're not going to like it, but you're going to have to let me fully explain it. I like Alabama 45-34. I think it's I think it's close. I think it's one of those like Alabama's up four and then they score a touchdown with like a minute and a half left kind of thing. Yeah. I can see that. So I but, I'm excited, you know, I think a lot of people have not written off Ohio State cuz after what they did to Clemson, I think people know not to do that. But I think a lot of people I feel like the overwhelming majority of people have picked Alabama and I am I'm excited to see it cuz Look, if, if Ohio State won, I'd be a little surprised, but I wouldn't just be in total shock. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I made this mistake last time of picking Clemson over Ohio State. And like you know, you like flip? I said, I kind of I kind of felt like in my head it was the right decision, but my heart was telling me another thing. I'm kind of pretty sold that Alabama's gonna win this football game. Like pretty grounded in that in that take. Um, it's upsetting to me as a fan, but um, I don't think they're going to get blown out. I think it's going to be a good game, but ultimately, I think Alabama is just going to be too much, and that's that sucks as a fan. But I think I think that's the right the right play on this one. Here's here's the good news from like the fans' perspective of the seat that you're in. You know, it's one of those things where you go out, you lose. It's like, hey, I saw it coming. But if you win, the excitement level is just through the roof. Yeah, that's how you that's how you are an Arkansas fan, right? That's how you have to do it. <laughs> oh, we just beat Vanderbilt. This is awesome. Oh man, 
Okay, that was that was a low blow, man. That's all right though. Yeah. Oh man, you, that should have been. I mean, you, had, you had to slide it in there somewhere. That should have been. That should have been in Indiana. Dang it, dude! How how crazy are we gonna go when Cincinnati beats Indiana next year? Oh, I'm gonna go right after we record. I'm gonna circle it on my calendar, and I'm gonna. It's gonna be. <laughs> I'm gonna have like a countdown clock in my room. It's gonna be awesome. Sounds good, dude. And then if they beat Notre Dame too, dude, the whole city, the whole state of Indiana is just gonna be up in shambles if Cincinnati goes in there and beats Notre Dame and Indiana. I think. Am be I great. declaring war on the state of Indiana? You might be. This this might happen. It's it's brewing because I hate both of those teams now. So I always hated Notre Dame. But you do. Who doesn't hate Notre Dame? I know a lot of it's people. It's a very that short list of people, and they're very frustrating. <laughs> That's funny. That's true too, though. Like, I mean, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I mean, j- okay. we all know. Yeah, we do. So, man, I'm I'm ready for Monday night. It's gonna be good. I'm sure. Follow us on Twitter because it's it's bound to get heated at some point. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm gonna have less drinks than I had against Clemson. Uh, watching the Clemson game, I think so. <laughs> Okay. All right. So follow me on Twitter at jschmidt underscore four. ZG, I'll, I'll let you do yours next. Grayzak22 on Twitter, G R A Y Z A C K 22. Um, that's where you can, you know, every now and again, I'll go off on some random poor fan of, of a college football team, but, you know, it, it's entertaining at <laughs> least. I'm not too mean. It is. I'll be honest. You know, I, I like to think, I like to think that I'm good. At some of this stuff, but ZG, when it, you're much better at this Twitter thing than I am, straight up. Like you were, you were second to none when it comes to being entertaining on Twitter. Just uh just years of practice, you know. I mean, just years of being a troll and arguing and and honing your craft. I mean, got to work at it, Jonathan. I would get in. I would just pick a random fight one day with like a LSU fan and just see how you hold your own. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, dude. Before we started doing this, I was working on some stuff, and long story short, I like going to Twitter to, like, boast and be like, hey, I got this right. You know, so I, I did I did an over-under thing for NFL, for NFL teams. I got 23 of them right. I can live with that. And then I picked Aaron Rodgers to be the MVP after week one. So when it comes to the NFL, I, I feel confident, but, like, college football, it's just hard to bet and put your stake in kids that are – you know, 20 years old. Yeah, 100%. But I don't, I all, in that regard, I don't think I'm going to place a, you know, a sneaky bet on Ohio State money line this time around. <laughs> like I I'm did not last either. Week. I'm, not <laughs> I'm not either. Don't plan on doing that. So that's all I've got. ZG, you got, you got anything else? I'm excited for Monday, but nah, that's all I got. Oh, last thing. Happy birthday to my dad. Today is his birthday. So, Happy birthday, Dad. Love you. And, yeah. So, Happy that's going to do it. Mr. Thank Smith. you guys so much. <laughs> Thanks, DG. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been Overtime Takes. We'll see you all again on Wednesday. Love you guys.